and welcome to what I'm calling the Hysteria Podcast Summer <laughs> Tours. We take our show on the road, and it is uh, Arnold's Park, Okaboji, Iowa, is where we are at. And uh, like I said, we've been the topic has been racism, so the show's been called Racism. Let's talk about it. And I'm on my third episode, and I've got uh, a guy with me who I've known for a while. I actually worked with him in radio in Nebraska. And he uh, hails from Sioux Falls, South Dakota right now, anyways. That's where he's at. And so I thought it'd be kind of interesting to just kind of get a perspective from middle America because oftentimes when we talk about race and race issues and just things of the world, really, that are going on in our country, we like to look at it from a big city perspective. But there's also issues that affect smaller towns, smaller communities. I know with the lockdown, you know, South Dakota got a lot of grief from some people because they never really closed their doors. And so um, how things worked out, you know, maybe we can discuss those type of things as well. But bring you, most of you that to watch and listen are big city people like myself, and so I thought it'd be kind of nice to maybe see what the smaller towns, smaller states, other perspectives, because when we talk about things and we talk about the dialogue and having a conversation with people, we need to include all types of people. And so, uh, Aaron Levisay, my guest today from uh, Okaboji, Arnold's Park. Aaron, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, man. Good hey, to see you again. Yeah, so it's been a while, and we uh, used to work in radio in Nebraska many moons ago, but... Um, but when you take a look at the, the, the current state of events, like I said, you've, you've been uh, most of the time now in South Dakota, although you do get, you do get out and about, but uh, you've resided in South Dakota now since uh, we parted ways uh, many moons ago in Nebraska. And from Los, a Los Angeles big city perspective, it's always kind of a political nature, everything that, uh, that happens, and it's always a divided city. It's extreme to, let's say, the liberal or the left, was extreme to the conservative or the right, and there's really not a whole lot meeting in the middle. And so that kind of magnifies or amplifies the uh, problems. And so I was just curious, you know, with, with your experience, what's it been like? Well, thanks, Han. Yeah, this is an amazing man, by the way. If he hasn't told you, he's, he's an amazing guy. So it's good to see him again. Yeah, you know, I, I think people in middle America are following the news just like everywhere else. Um, obviously, a lot of people were um, very upset about what happened to George Floyd. Um, th- that, that's universal. That's universal. That's universal out here. There's nobody you will meet that will be like, that was, that was all right. No, no, that was universal. Um, obviously, when it came time for people protesting, peaceful protests, everybody's for, rioting, looting, never. And rioting and looting is not a constitutionally protected nor will it ever be because that it just can't be. People want to get along without regards to being labeled as a race. This includes middle American and everywhere else, for lack of a better term, Caucasian Americans. They want to be judged by their personalities and how they conduct themselves. So critical race theory, which is what much of younger people, whether they know it or not, and most of the time they don't, uh, is, is doing, is, is sort of like an ersatz religion now. And it's not right because it's, 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 it, it is, unfortunately, racism personified. It's basically taking a group of people and saying, all of you have a, have a privilege because of your skin color, and it's not true. You can't prove it. Lots of people... Um, that's just it's it's defining a class of people by their skin color and that's that's textbook racism and it's racism even when it's done against caucasian americans people just want to be judged all americans 
by how they treat other people, period. And that's, that's, the, that's the sentiment here in the Midwest as well. I had a guest on one of the shows, the first episode I did with this topic, and he was a black guy. His name is Daniel. Mm-hmm. And in talking with him, his comment was when he was growing up, he was just Daniel. He wasn't a black man. He was just Daniel a man, you know. And I thought about that, and I'm like, you know what? I don't really consider myself, or I don't look at myself as a white man. I just look at myself as a man. Right. And so I started thinking about that, and it's kind of interesting, like you said. You know, people will put a, a, a race label or a skin color label on somebody and look at them with that label, that color, when they themselves, in this case Daniel, for example, he was just a guy. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he yeah. didn't view himself with that color, but no. yeah, we somehow no. want to bestow a color upon somebody and call them black man Daniel, and he's just Daniel, for example. Son, this is why culture matters so much, and people that shape our culture matter so much. Look at all the things that get introduced into the lexicon that we actually have to talk about, that nobody literally was talking about it until you run 50 million stories on it, and then after a while, people can't remember when they weren't running stories on it. Like, this is the thing that you will think about you know, I've always thought that the, the power of the media is not so much what they what you know what they report is what they decide to report when and where and on what time frame, as well as what they ignore. Um, you know, again, in the time frame that we're looking at, um, look at again to, to to just leave it with with George Floyd. I think probably about 100, well, maybe 98% of Americans think that what happened to that man was absolute murder in cold blood, and it was on live video, and everybody was outraged. Everything that followed after that that was of a violent nature, nobody thinks that's legitimate outside of radicals that want to just break things, including other minority businesses. So does the media go and talk about those minority businesses? No. Does the media go and talk about minority cops? No. In other words, they shine a light when and where and, and how they decide what they're going to do when and on their timeline. And there's really no real accountability. Like, they never do a correction. And when they, if and when they ever do their rare corrections, it's years after the fact when nobody cares anymore. So, again, the biggest thing that Americans need to realize, in my opinion, is that all of us want to get along as Americans, regardless of color, and that has to include... Caucasian Americans. It can't not include them. And you can't put the sins of, of, of the past or even perceived slights against people you don't know. That's just, that's inhuman. That's inhuman. See, that's interesting you put, you put in the perspective of people we don't know because I saw a meme. And I don't know if this is a fair, a fair thing, but you see all kinds of things on social media. Now, some things on social media, just for the record, I disregard. Mm-hmm. But when you start to see it kind of play out in certain themes over a period of time, over different people's pages, you start to wonder if there's some validity into the idea that a majority of people are starting to believe this. So, for example, uh, you, know, you talk about slave reparations, and so you have a young maybe toddler white girl, a picture of her saying, you know, asking her to you know, have slave reparations. And then the next picture has a young toddler Asian Japanese girl mm-hmm. is like having her uh, pay for, for Pearl, Pearl Harbor. Harbor. Yeah. Correct. You know, and so, yes. and, and so it's actually very good. Initially, you, you know, I dismiss as maybe some radical guy, but then it start to see it crop up here and here and here. And then you start to think about it. And like you said, you know, we don't know. And we're just casting these wide nets mm-hmm on an issue that really isn't, like you said, it's media-driven, and it really isn't that 
broad. It needs to be more specific as far as person to person, as far as event to event. And you can't just broadly label what's going on in a mass setting because it just doesn't fit the narrative, I think. Well, the thing of it is, is as a, you know, you and I are both Christians and things like that, and we do not believe in collective guilt. Um, I don't believe in collective guilt. Well, in fact, it's, 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 um, it, it is, uh, is, it is now, it was in the Old Testament, but it was not with the New Testament. Um, and if you want to read in Ezekiel, it's exactly there. It says people, you know, people are responsible for their own sins. Now we're all sinners. But you can't use a collective guilt, sort of a, a secular collective guilt. Like I said, ersatz religion. That's what this is. This isn't thought. If someone, as opposed to simple justice, that everybody should be treated the same under the law. That's different. Different. But when you're when you're literally accusing everybody else in mass, people that are you've never met, and and I think it's important. You're accusing their children even. Of something that, like that meme says, you know, you're you're asking them to for, for for something to apologize for something. There'd be no, you know, they can barely wipe their face and stuff like that. But you need to personalize it. You need to realize you're accusing the people that are doing that. You need to make it less a you know less large and more personal. You're accusing this person over here and their family for something that you know that they're good people and that they give back and they're. That they they love their community and they love their multiracial church. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to you got to like go. No, wait a minute. So, unfortunately, we live in a time where this has been inculcated by many many years of people not being paying attention, and we're seeing the results of it. If you if you pipe hatred and a victim mentality into people for a good generation, this is this is the logical end result of that. See, it's funny you say that. It's not funny, but because Brandon, another guy I had on, he's a, a black guy from the inner city of Los Angeles, and he said that he first believes that racism will end at one, at one time. He, he feels in the future. But he said this. People, what are they going to do if they identify as being oppressed? That's their identity. Yeah. And then see, what about those that identify as the oppressor? Yeah, well, see, it's, it's critical race theory because what the thing of it is is it basically says two things. One, it gets rid of all your moral agency. You're not responsible for anything you do. Okay, one. Number two, you've already labeled a bunch of people at arbitrarily as a certain type of thing, although you don't have you have never met them. And you don't plan on meeting them. People that could be your best friends, people that probably have more in common with you than the current friends that you're with. And you've cut them off and divided them out from your circle of friends and, and even as your fellow countrymen, vets, uh, people that have gone overseas to fight for your freedom to sit there and honestly mouth lunatic notions like that critical race theory poisons everything it touches it it poisons the person that's using it to try to get vengeance which is not real or you know against people that or you know real vengeance against people that did nothing wrong and it also poisons the people that are targeted because again you're targeting them for something that they absolutely are not a part of that's separate from a question of how we treat people culturally and simple respect and dignity. Now, that's where I think a lot of it gets a toehold is because people grew up with you know, social slights. But you can't judge everybody on their social space. Okay? They come from a, they come from a upper middle class background. They may be amazing people who think, I've gotten so many things in life. I'm now going to become an inner city youth pastor, and I'm going to devote my time to doing that, and I'm, I'm fine. But you've already separated them. You can't get to know them. You can't get to know all the good that they're doing 
They might even be doing better than they might even be doing more good in that inner city than people that came from it. But you'll never know because you already made the a priori without getting to know somebody. Nope, they're a part of this nameless group to the point where you don't even know where that na- that you, I mean, most of the people that are mouthing all these critical race theory things, they don't even know where it comes from. They don't even know how how relatively new that it is. They don't know how it will poison other people and that there will be a backlash. There has to be because when you're categorizing a whole bunch of people on the basis of a, of a characteristic that they cannot change, son, that they cannot change, what do you think is going to happen that somehow they're going to they're gonna say, hey, yes, I'll, I'll do what you want forever? You think they're going to? Yeah, probably not. Well, they're absolutely not. They're right. human beings. They know for – like me, you know, served overseas and stuff like that, happy to do it. You're going to tell me that my kids that I, I love are responsible for that? Baloney. Right, it's, right. it's against everything I believe in, what I fought for. It's also against everything that I've ever taught them at the dinner table or had conversations in our living room. It's against everything I've ever taught them or would ever teach them or my Sunday school kids. Truly. Let me ask you this, because you mentioned it, and I know there's some things you can and can't talk about, mm-hmm. so if it comes up and we can't, just let me know. Um, but with your service, mm-hmm. okay, there seems to be right now a, a, a sediment in, in, in America where we are anti-American. Right now, I guess it's anti-Confederacy, really. But mm-hmm. again, we're anti-kind of a soldier, anti-cop, anti-law sure. you know, enforcement. And, you know, you, like you said, you served overseas mm-hmm. um, to give people the freedom that they have in order to go and protest mm-hmm. and things like that. Oh, yeah. And so when you, when you look at this and you see people and they're coming up with policies and they're coming up with these ideas to, to desecrate graves like uh, Elizabeth Warren wants to in her, oh, in yeah. her latest no. thing, you know, and stuff no, like that. That's not going to fly. Know, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a vet, as a soldier, as someone who has served to give her the very freedoms to pretend that she's Indian or whatever she was doing, you know, and still be able to, you know, get away with stuff like that. How does that make you feel as a vet? Because I, I would imagine, and I know you're still serving, but how does that make you feel? Because I would imagine that, that and I think that voice doesn't get out there too much because people are afraid to talk about it. Sure. Well, thanks for that. I, you know, you can make decisions upon whether or not you want to have certain monuments. A lot of t- there was a thing a few years ago with some, specifically the, the Confederacy. They thought, all right, you know, you can because you put them up. A lot of those went up later on. Now, some of it was a peaceful thing to sort of show reconciliation between the states. Some of them did go up um, as a specific thing to we're not going to get. We have we, many southern and border states as not fully being behind the civil rights movement. So, but you've but you got to separate them out. Not all of them were. Some of them were much were decades earlier. Here's the thing. Society can make decisions, not vandals. Society can decide when there's a, an, an amount of time where they were like, okay, these are important. However, I, we just want to, we want to put these in museums, which I think is, I think is valid because... You, in museums, you, you need to learn from your history. You can never get rid of history. You cannot vandalize history. We're not going to have a year zero like we did with the French Revolution or the Red Guards and Mao, which is what a lot of our, some of our young people are being told to do and are being allowed to do because city officials are basic, city and state and whoever officials are allowing them to do it. Well, you always think that that's fine until they start coming for your house and things of that nature. So what am I saying? You can make you can you can honor the country and the ideals that it stood for, but there's a right way. This like everything else. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Violence, looting, and just flat out destruction of property, vandalism, is never the right way to do it. Okay, and as far as desecration of graves, never, absolutely never. If they've been put in the ground, regardless 
of whatever that they did um, for that. That was part of the healing process for the nation. Um, Arlington National Cemetery is on the ground. It was put there where um, General Lee lived. Lee House is at the top of it. There's a reason there why. It's to let them know that although he lived there, this is where U.S. Uh, servicemen, women, and anybody that, that gave their life, um, there's a reason why it's there. That wasn't, some sort of, that wasn't some sort of an accident. Montgomery Miggs put it there for that, but it was also to symbolize that on this ground was, a, was where we were going to honor our, our war dead as, again, space matters and location matters as a way to bridge the, and you know, that we all came together as Americans after the war with malice towards none. Right, like like Lincoln said. Right. So you, so as far as her idea to get rid of desec, uh, desecrating graves, absolutely not. Never, not just now, but never. Because then, at what point we're talking race now? At what point does that go to religion? Because then you have soldiers of different faiths right. that are buried, you know. And in Arlington, they they put the emblem of your faith on, on the cross, Correct. or on the grave marker. And so then, at what point do we decide that this faith yeah. needs to be desecrated, or these the, people? The great question. The great question in society always is, uh, son, is who decides for whom? If you boil down everything, it's who decides for whom. Right now it seems like the message is getting silenced by the violence that's going on. And like you said, I like the, I like the, comment, the comment that you said about the museums because mm-hmm. that seems to make a lot of sense. Sure. Okay, maybe we don't want them out because it is offensive to people. Maybe they represented certain things. Yeah. But you can't, get away, you can't erase history. No, it's going to yeah, be there. You can't learn from it if right. you get rid of it. And so, therefore, if you put it in a museum or you mm-hmm. put it someplace else, those that want to go and see it can. Those that don't want to don't have to, Absolutely. like anything. Absolutely. Because at what point then do you just, you know, Again, it's kind of like that mob mentality. Okay, mm-hmm. today, this is how it's going to be. Tomorrow, this is how it's going to be. The next day, this is how it's going to be. And the next day, you just have complete chaos. And in each case, whenever you go to the mob mentality, there will be a different mob, and you don't know what they're ever going to do. That's why you can never you can never bow to the mob. Right. You can never bow to the mob. Now, that's different from the deliberate uh, decision-making of the American public. That's different. Totally different. Even if it gets contentious, as long as it's nonviolent and, well, semi-civil. Yeah. You know, this is America we're talking about, but nonviolent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a mob is different from the considered will of the American people, no matter where they're at, whether it's over where you live on the coast or yeah. here in the Midwest. Aaron Levisay is my guest. We're here at Arnold's Park in Okaboji, Iowa, taking the podcast on the road. I'm calling it the Hysteria Podcast Tour Summer 2020 because it seems like mass hysteria is going on in our country. And, and we're talking to different people. And when we talk about racism, when we talk about issues of society and of our country, it's only fair to include everybody because that's what we need. We need everybody and voices from everywhere. And we might have different perspectives and we might have different experiences for or from. And so here in the Midwest, the experience is going to be probably a little different than the big cities on the coast. But still, it's a, it's a perspective that matters because, like you said, even the point of having a museum, I don't know if anybody's ever thought of that. Now, the mass hysteria might not see it as a legitimate thing. But when you think about it logically, and I always come from a sense of logic and reason, mm-hmm. that seems to be a very logical thing. Okay, move it to another place. Um, one of the questions I like to ask is when you, you, know, you have an elementary school playground and you have people, kids from all races playing with each other. Sure. And they're like best of friends. And then at some point as they grow up, they now hate each other. They're fighting each other. And they were the ones that were on the playground playing just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. How do you think we get to that point where one race and the other are playing on the playground as youth and then as you get older, you're starting to hate each other? 
A lot of it's taught. A lot of it's imbibed. Um, a lot of it is false notions from the get-go. A lot of it is, honestly, parents not looking at what their kids are learning. I don't know how many times I've heard throughout the times when I've had children in school, and you have too, is that parents need to be more involved in what their kids are learning. And it's sort of like we say it, and then they are and they aren't, sort of. But they need to, they obviously need to be more more involved and say, no, 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 no. That is not true. That is not true. I do think in all of this, you know, I always try to look for the positive, and it's tough to look for a positive during this time. If nothing else, I do think that it this it again the positive aspect not all the negative like the looting and 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 classifying a whole group of people that you've never met falsely and racistly okay but the the positive on all of this is i think a lot of americans are now understanding where some some of the younger people got to this in terms of why they would join it because they saw a lot of inaction by people not understanding these other daily occurrences. Now, whether they're valid or not is another conversation, but they they understood that uh, there's a lot of Americans that, for whatever reason, feel like they're not really as much a part of this country. Again, I'm not, I'm not arguing the validity. I'm arguing that they feel that way. Well, the one thing to do is to, is to make sure that instead of talking over people that were listening. Now, you can't do that with a mob. You can't talk to true, or listen to a true. mom. So the thoughtful people that actually say that they want the conversation, first they're going to have to do a couple things. One, they're going to have to realize that a lot of their elders really do, in fact, understand exactly where they're coming from. Okay, we, You and I grew up a um, different way where, uh, I don't know, there wasn't a time when we weren't taught that the civil rights movement was absolutely a good thing, much needed, overcorrected. We, you and I were born after it. Um, so there's nobody this side of 50 that doesn't know and think it's a good idea. So it's disconcerting when we're still being lumped in with people that wouldn't, that, that, and, and our forebear, my forebears, you know, fought on the Union side in the Civil War. So I no, I mean, not only, I, I, anyway, so what I'm saying is, is that they really need to realize your feelings are fine, but your feelings aren't necessarily accurate. But we will listen for a little while. But if they're going to ask for people to listen because we're the youth, we're the youth, I get it. We said the same thing when we were their age. But no one is automatically entitled to listen to you, A. B, if you're going to listen, then you need to be listening to some of the older folks back. Because they can say, well, I understand that you think that, but that's actually never true. You understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If you want yeah. a conversation, we have to have a conversation. Well, then it has to be a dialogue. It cannot be a monologue and a hectoring. That's not that. That's never, How would they like it if they were... If all we ever told them is, you know, that's all they ever heard, and they would never have a chance to talk back, it's the uh, millennials that are just doing everything wrong. And they were never allowed to ever say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not like that. So they need to take that into account when they're saying we need to have a, a dialogue. If you want a real dialogue, it means you need to listen yourselves. Being young and being passionate does not automatically mean that you actually have more wisdom or that even if you're, you're correct. See what I'm saying? Yeah. See, I think that's where the problem of social media comes in because somebody posts something and automatically everybody's reacting. Mm-hmm. And usually it's either pro or con against the post, okay? Well, it's all feeling also. Yeah, and that, well, that's the other thing. It's but all feeling. But they're going, 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 and nobody is listening, yep. okay? So then, like you said, you get into these riots, these pro- let's call them protests because the riots, like you said, um, aren't legit, 
but you, you get the protesters and you want to listen to them, but then the mob takes over, so you can't hear them because nope. the extreme takes over. So then at what point, or well, how do you think we can get to the point where you can have a group of people, we'll call them the protesters, that have a legitimate concern, that want their voices to be heard, to meet up with the people that want to listen yeah. and have a dialogue, because right now it doesn't seem like there's any way to bring these two people, well, these two groups together. One way is, I think, actually like what you're doing, Son, with your podcast. Honestly, I think the major media um, is really not a place to go anymore. And I would include every cable show, too. They're, they're, all, they're, they're all, even if they were ones that would agree with you and right, me, right. they're all stuck on division. Right, right. If, you really, if you really boil them down, they're stuck on division. And... And and it's and it's for ratings a lot of it or right. even if it's some of it is, even if some of it is genuine, it still is not helpful. Okay, right. Not every protester has a valid reason for protesting, but not everything that is in time the way that it is right now needs to be the way that it is right now. Right. So, but the only way to have that is the long form conversations like we're having, and they have to go to some stupid commercial. So they never no no one ever gets the full picture about anything. True. So well, no wonder people are, but people have to people have to learn to shut that off. Probably start listening to podcasts like yours, and basically decide that they're probably going to get more of the real information here than they're ever on those staged and absolutely worthless uh, press conferences and or coverage on many of the cable shows in the major media. Seriously. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. I, I know, and I know a lot of people are starting to, to get that sentiment because, again, if you want to go back to the social media analogy, you start to see these posts turn off the mainstream media, turn off any news media, and 90% of the problems go away. So I think people are starting to understand that more and more. I hope so because it's been going on for decades, yeah. and people have always complained about it, but they need to just stop. Yeah. And, and, and I think, too, the other thing what people try to do, and I don't know, maybe um, this might be, maybe this is something that you can touch on coming from a Midwest perspective, because, you know, having been in the Midwest myself for six, seven years uh, in my adult life at one time, you get, you get a sense that things are done a little differently, okay? And what I mean by that is you, you've got people that are just, they, they look at things, they receive things, they perceive things, and then they act differently than people might on the coast thus you get like the new yorkers you get the laid-back layers you know so you get these stereotypes right stereotypes. But, they're, but, they're, but they're there for a reason okay yeah. but so okay so we're trying to bring people together sure but people are trying to handle it on a national level a political national yeah. level and my contention is it probably has to start at the grassroots level it absolutely does first off politicians are only ever going to be interested in not just re-election but also they're going to be interested in people that are for them and against somebody else that's just the nature of it. I mean, that's just sort of how it goes. Very few people are ever willing to be statesmen or states, you know, states people to where they can go, all right, this, this might be what even what people of my district or my state want, but it, it happens to be bad for the name. Very few people are ever going to do that. I mean, that's been the case since, since uh, the beginning of the republic. It never ha- we, there, we never really had a golden age. We only had a few people that were ever like that. We just had them at right times. But even then, I, it, what, what, what you say, what do, how do we do this? Well, we do it like this. You're having your podcast with various people, and you're letting them know, essentially, hey, you person that may even believe dif- differently than me on a number of issues, hello, fellow human being. Like, you're an actual human being. You have actual likes and dislikes. You have actual... Uh, you, the biggest thing that we could do to stop all of this is to talk rationally and calmly with people that we disagree with and see them as people. And I know that sounds like a cliche, 
But if we would just slow down and talk to them rationally, and it has to be over time because an old relationship happens really quickly. Even if you have all the facts. Think about it. Our children don't even listen to us a lot of times. And why is that? We could be correct, but if we don't let our children know that we love them uh, first, then they won't. Then, then they won't listen to us, even if we're absolutely one hundred percent correct, which most of the time parents are, right? Because we're older and we know what the deal, what the real deal is. Because we were already their age. So when you're talking to people, you got to first genuinely take them as people, genuinely treat them as real people, and then if they have any notions about you or who you think or whatever group you've been arbitrarily assigned to, remember now, okay, arbitrarily, right. Where, you know, where you can say, you know, that's not only me, that's nobody I know. So who told you that about not just me, but people like me? And then they begin to see, you're right, I never really did know who first taught me that this group of people over here are just absolutely responsible for everything wrong in my life and everybody that I know. They see it for the lie that it always was. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. We're here at uh, Arnold's Park in Okaboji, Iowa, on uh, what I'm calling the Hysteria Podcast Tour of Summer 2020. And uh, we're talking racism. You know, racism, let's talk about it. It's the name of the actual podcast. And so one of the things that um, I want to ask you about, which you've just sure. kind of alluded to, and what we're doing basically is we've been talking to, I've been talking to different people. I'm just trying to get a conversation mm-hmm. going with different mm-hmm. people because uh, that's what, what it takes. And one of the, uh, one of the things that has come up, is the value of people. So, for example, Roland, the guy I talked with in one of the previous episode, was commenting that black people were viewed as a commodity in the slave trade, okay? And so their value is as such. And so it got then another conversation with somebody else. It got to the point of if we treat each other and, or if we value each mm-hmm. other the way we value ourselves, right. then that's going to change a lot of things oh, yeah. because you're going to look at – because if we value ourselves a certain way, and then I start treating you that way, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you can take the race out of it, the color skin out of it, but you, you start treating everybody yeah. the way you value yourself. I think a lot of things will change. A lot of things will change. And the other thing is this. I mean, again, I, I always think that one of the things that's always important, and I, I really appreciate, Son, what you're doing now with, your, with your, your podcast here, because one of the things that you're doing is you're talking to different people. Um, when you start actually doing long-form interviews and talking to people and just letting them talk, you know, not, not this pre-scripted, uh, not even good enough to be a soundbite segment right, right. before they go to the, this other commercial, which nobody remembers the stupid commercial anyway, but they pay for the shows, okay? It's literally a waste of time. It's literally a waste of time, and you literally are probably worse off because you actually took time away from how you could have known your neighbor or somebody... You know, phone somebody up uh, and said, hey, how are you doing? The biggest thing that we have to do with all of the isolation that we have is we need to reconnect with our neighbors and fellow Americans. And that means going to the places where most of our social circles aren't necessarily... uh, In my mind, it means going to the places where most of our social circles were that we're going outside of them going outside of them. It's easy to talk to people that you see at church or that you see at work or that you see in your neighborhood. It's much 
harder and different to get to know people from different or maybe poorer areas of neighborhoods or even wealthier areas. There's stereotypes they go through. Basically, we've already made up our minds before about them before we've even had a chance to meet many of them. That's true. Right? Because true. it's like, no, 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 they wouldn't want to know me because I'm not wealthy enough. How do you know? Have you ever talked to them? Maybe, maybe they're just wonderful people. Uh, maybe they would swap recipes for you. You know, or maybe they'd, they'd go to a ball. How do you know? Do you see what I'm saying? How do we know? We, we, we put so many things in our minds that might be completely, utterly untrue. Right. But we listen to things that have been taught us uncritically over years instead of just taking the first step of faith and going and meeting different people. And then they realize that you're a real person back right. with real families and, like, real lives I know it sounds cliche, but I honestly, I wish if Americans could just all like do what you're doing, just all of us have podcasts, have one great place where all we're doing is we're watching podcasts, and then we're realizing the downtown cook is talking to the downtown uh, wife of the cop who's talking to the downtown wife of a CEO, but a CEO that runs a camp for kids with leukemia every summer, or the guy who goes around to all the different um, sports games like you, but who also in turn gets to meet all these players and then realizes they're really, really good people and they're, they're devout men of faith and good family members. Or teachers, you know, that do amazing things with our kids every day. Then it's different. Then they're not just this faceless people that you see on TV and you're just like, oh, I can't stand them because honestly they've, they've done better than me. Right, right. You know, there's a lot of things in media which basically enhances envy. Right. True. That's true. That's a good point. So I, I, I wish we would just have like an, a nation of podcasters talking to people, whatever we do, just talk to regular people on a daily basis and just get to know them. And when you think you got it bad, find out from somebody else that you've now met and taken the time to get to know. You're like, wow, I have nothing to complain about. Well, amen. Now you've got peace. Right. In your, you've got peace in your life because you realize, oh, wow, I can really help this person. Voila. It's kind of like hanging out at the Greasy Spoon or your local bar on Main Street or whatever, how everybody just comes together and starts <laughs> talking, and it doesn't matter who you are or what you're coming from. Right. Uh, Aaron Levesay is my guest. We're here at Arnold's Park in Okaboji, Iowa. And I, here's, here's something that uh, might humor some people. So I've been... While I'm here in Iowa, I've been uh, chasing my radio roots. Earlier, I saw my, uh, I went to visit the radio station, the very first radio station I uh, worked at. And so I moved here. And when I moved here, I bought a house. And uh, Iowa is predominantly, we should say, Caucasian white, you know, for the most part. Although there is a lot of diversity. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you think of Iowa, you think, you know, white people. And so I moved into this house. And my neighbors were from Mexico, mm. which I thought was pretty cool coming from Los Angeles, which is really diverse, that my neighbors were from Mexico via Texas. Texas. Mm -hmm. So they got married at 18. They had moved from Mexico to Texas. At 18, got married and made it to Iowa because they wanted to be in the snow, which I thought was pretty ironic. <laughs> from Texas to the snow. Anyway, so um, they invited me over for dinner one night, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be good. I'm getting carne asada. I'm getting burritos. You know, I'm thinking of Yum. all this good stuff. I sit down, we eat, and they bring out the Kentucky, uh, not the Kentucky fried chicken, but the fried chicken, <laughs> mashed potatoes, and corn. Straight American meal. And it was great. Don't get me wrong. It's nothing bad. And so we started talking, and I, and I started chuckling. And so I brought up the, that whole concept, that, that conversation about, you know, oh, I thought this, this, and this. And they're like, oh, we, you know, that, that could have been an option, you know, no right. doubt. Right. But, but they, they just love the fact 
that they were in Iowa, in farm country, middle America, and mm-hmm. that's just what they wanted. And so we started talking a little bit more, and I, that's how I found out. Then they're from you know Mexico through Texas, and sure. I was telling them I'm from LA, and that's why I thought, oh, maybe carne asada. And we started talking, but it was kind of funny because at the end of the day, we had an understanding of each other of their history, and they were a little bit older; they're probably uh, a generation older than mm. me. And so I got to hear them and know about them, and right. and I didn't just you know now people might say when I tell that story, they might say I came to a conclusion and I judged them based on their no, my stomach was judging them based on the fact that mm. Mm, it sounded good that you know here's somebody that might be able to outstanding yeah, food yeah exactly good cook outstanding and it was food. great but again the conversation started and it wasn't like they weren't offended by it they oh. got a laugh out of it no oh. and we had a conversation and we started sharing each other's stories and started to get to really know each other right and that really kind of bonded the neighbors because i don't know you know in la um again talking about maybe the differences sure. in la People get to know their neighbors, but you're kind of to yourself, too. Right. Out here, neighborly is neighborly. Well, yes, although it's not like – honestly, I hate to I hate to break it to you, son, but it's, it changed? It's, it's less neighborly than it was. Uh-oh. And I think that's just because of changes in society. However, I think, you know, the COVID and everything like that, I think, I think, I hope, I pray, has awakened that in people to not only get to know their, their, their families better, but hopefully, even with all the social distancing and everything, their neighborhoods – because that's one of the strengths of America is our neighborhoods. Really. It re- really is. I mean, you know, like the Nextdoor app. You right, know, where right. you, you know, But I think that's, that's a wonderful story that you're, that you're saying. In other words, people are people. You're already saying that the same thing as people are people. People are so different from what are portrayed in the select, gotcha, please always, or, you know, not even please, be divided media. Mm. Even the ones that agree with you. Okay, even the ones that agree with you and social media is even worse. Social media is designed. It's anti-social media is what it is. Well, or at least the main ones are. I guess there's some other ones coming online where they make it more like what the old idea was, which is to, to connect with people. Um, I hope so, because we need that. People are being accused of things they never did. People are being told that they're these kind of people that they never were. And it goes it goes on both sides, by the way, or actually not just both sides, all sides. People are being, you know, the OK Boomer thing. Why are you doing that? OK Boomer? You mean you mean the folks that 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 went and fought in Vietnam? Like family members of yours? Is that what you're talking about? Are you talking about the ones that 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 came back with not a whole lot of uh, uh, pomp and circumstance like their World War Two parents, but still went on in and tried to. Uh, raise families and go to you know school picnics and 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 served on school boards, local government. I mean, is that what you're talking about? I mean, if you're upset with them because of policies made by some people in Congress, not a problem. I get that, but be upset with them. Don't be upset with just an entire age either. And are you telling me that you know that that you really want to? And I and I have said this for for a long time before there was ever social media. I don't like um, everybody in America always saying we need to talk to the youth, need to talk to the youth. No, we need to talk to the youth about some things. And other things, honestly, I think we need to talk to the people that have been around for a long time because because they've been around, they've seen a lot of this stuff before. Everything the media is telling you, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they've seen it, and they're like, no, don't even worry about that. We had it, you know, back in the 1930s when I was your age, and it wasn't that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? We totally do that wrong in America. We always think the youth got the answer. I, I, I disagree. History shows the opposite. That's they can point. have some ideas sometimes, but they can't have all the ideas all the time. I, I've talked about that ever since I was, I was a teenager. I was like, wow, I, 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 when I growing up, you know, you were 
on the West Coast yourself and everything like that, but I always have loved Asian culture. You know why? Mm. Because they venerate the elderly and they treat them with real respect. Mm -hmm. And we weren't, you know, our culture was not and is not doing that even now. So that's true. That's one thing I would also say into the next bit of your podcast, make sure that people are treating their elders with, with far more respect than they're doing now. You know, we look at a lot of people, and we're here at uh, Arnold's Park. Arnold's Park is, a, is a, an amusement park. I should probably describe it for people that don't know what it is. It's an amusement park, a small amusement park on Lake Okoboji in Okoboji, Iowa. And uh, I'm taking a tour. I'm calling it the Hysteria Summer or the Hysteria Podcast Tour Summer 2020. And we're just going around talking to different people about different things. And if you've been following it, you know, we've been talking to some people back in L.A. And so I wanted to hit the road and find out what maybe Middle America has to say, because when we talk to people, it's got to be all people. We've got to be inclusive of all people when we have this conversation. Absolutely. And so one of the things that we're hearing, and we keep hearing over and over and over, is reparations, the past, slavery, and all that. At what point do we have to, or can we, you know, talk about forgiveness and kind of start, you mentioned ground zero or mm -hmm. day zero, you know. Year like zero. Year zero. How do, how do we get to the point where we can move forward if we're always focusing on the past? Does that make sense? You can't. Uh, first off, in reparations, zero and no, because there's nobody here that's directly affected by it. That's different from what happened with the internment payments to Japanese Americans, for instance. That's different because they were still living. And but no, otherwise no. That was paid by the Civil War. End of end of story. I'm sorry. That's a late 1960s radical thing that just needs to that that does need to die. That divides people. Always will, because you're it. Uh, and anyway, that would take a whole other podcast right. as to why that just needs to die. Right. That should be given no credence any more than castor oil is an actual thing for medicine like it once was. Okay. It just needs to die. It is not true. It will never be true. Okay. It will never be true. Thousands of years after you and I are gone. But people will still probably I, be talking about it. But no, hopefully it'll actually be one of those things where they're never talking about it again. Because do you think we have to get past that in order to get, get, that, that's, to, to that get is advancement? A, that, yes. Because, no, it, it, is, it is a red herring. Needs to absolutely die as the non-issue that it is. Because I talked with uh, um, another gal, Tara, who's a co-host mm -hmm. on another podcast I do, and we're talking about pruning. In order for, like, when you talk about gardening and trees mm -hmm. and stuff, you have to prune. You have to cut. Sure. In order for it to grow even better. Yep. And we were almost talking like that's kind of the society that we need. We need to cut and prune yeah. so that we can grow as a society, grow as people. So we need to. So what I what I take from that is we need to discard lots of notions that absolutely will always be poisonous. And reparations is one of them. It will always be poisonous. There there won't be a time when it won't be. Mm -hmm. So great, I agree with her. When we need to prune, prune that and be done. Mm -hmm. You're saying how will we be able to come together when there are a lot of people that are trying to divide us. Since the beginning of our country, there have always been people that have been trying to divide us. We've never had a golden age other than people just deciding that we're just not going to be divided at various times. You don't think we weren't divided right before the Civil War? We were. Do you think we were divided during the time when, before you and I were born with Vietnam? You're darn, right, well, they were, darn, right, darn right we were. Uh, weren't divided when, uh, when uh, in the post-Civil War and the Reconstruction era? Absolutely. So we've been divided. I mean, the election of 1800 with uh, Jefferson and Adams were the beginning of the modern political parties. Division. Because people thought differently. It's not inherently bad. It just means that that's just the way that it is. We're never going to be completely united. But what we need to realize is that we can't, again, talk about the things we were talking about earlier. Judge an entire class of people based upon an inheritable characteristic that they cannot change. Okay. We can judge people and ideas, whether they are, you know, has history proven them generally true or generally false. 
We can judge those, absolutely. Right? So, but it, it, again, I think that it's just people talking to other people. And honestly, you know what I think one of the neat things about podcasts and this new media era that you're a part of, Son, is that you actually are good to bring to wider public consciousness people that aren't ever shown in the media. Let me ask you. Here's a little thing right here. When was the last time that the major news media did an interview, an actual long-form interview with a pro-life leader? Not that I can remember. Nope. When has any major news media ever done an interview with, listen carefully, the black pro-life movement? Never. You would never know that it exists, right? right? But does it? Yeah, of course. Okay, so if you don't see it on a major news media, did, does it exist? Right. No. It certainly does. It does, but, I mean, it abs- but in the consciousness of America, no. Right. Unless you so see it on the news. I, right. So yeah. they get to shape what you get yeah. to remember even. Yep, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is why I think this is so wonderful, because you can sit back and go, no, 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 no. There's a whole wider world and a whole bigger nation and so many more interesting people than they are leaving us to believe. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, because you also got a narrative that's Mm -hmm. being shaped. Because, again, if you want to talk with the media, you can turn on, let's just any, let's just go with with the more liberal news media because there's more of them. Okay, it's about so, 92, 93% yeah. of them, yes. So By you, default, that's almost statistically 100%. Okay. So <laughs> so if you're talking that and you turn on one channel, you hear a talking point. You, hear, you turn on the next channel, it's the same talking point. You turn on the third channel. Yeah, it's an amazing group thing. Network. It's an yeah. amazing group thing. Now, you can do that with the same with a conservative TV sure. show from Absolutely. show to show to show. Oh, yeah. They have theirs. But but I like so, to point so out the – Solidifying your echo chambers. Yes. But but with the uh, the liberal media, for example, and oh, not to yeah. be politics uh, into this, but it is uh, a dominant television mainstream media thing. You see them to have the same talking point. So well, that's the narrative that is being brought. It's, it's worse than a talking point. It's groupthink. They're not even knowing that they're doing it. They do not. They're not either not aware or they don't care to change their biases. They just don't, son. They don't come into contact with, you know, for lack of a term, uh, religious conservatives. They just they don't come into con- They don't want to come into contact with them. As far as they're concerned, they're going to write them out of the story altogether. They don't interview cops' families. Mm-hmm. They don't interview. Um, black pro-life leaders. They don't interview except when they need them to talk about civil rights. Black. Uh, pastors only for civil rights and only in narrow bits of civil rights okay they don't ever ask hard questions about people on the left liberal scale or if they do they ask it later after it one of my biggest things that i've always gotten upset about with the media is that they always ask the questions after it mattered Mm. see it's not just the it's the manner and place it's also the time you have to ask it when it mattered if you do it years later and they say disingenuously, well, we did cover it. Hey, no, 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 no. It mattered now mm-hmm. for you to have asked it then. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's what I'm saying. I hate to say it, Son, but most of the major media are basically corrupt and they're, they're, they're not truthful. And see, what you're doing is, is, is correct and long form and trying to be truthful. Yeah. And that's what I think, too, is what's important is getting back to the community levels because, yes. okay, if I'm watching something and, and my in, who's my influencers? Mm-hmm. If my influencers are these people with an agenda, it doesn't matter who it is, take the mm-hmm. TV, whatever, yeah. and they're these people with an agenda, then I'm going to be influenced on their agenda. But if you and I sit and talk mm-hmm. and then I go and talk to some other people and then I'm talking to a variety of different people and then we start to realize that, wait a minute. 
no matter what color our skin is, no matter what our ideology is, we have a lot more in common than we think. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. we all have the common goal of wanting it to get better. Correct. And now we start coming together as an uniting. Correct. And, uh, like I said, you could be different in your beliefs and right. in your ideology. Oh, I can be different. Absolutely. But together, we want to be yes. improving society, relations, everything. Well, and what people, what people forget is the most important thing is also how you go about it. True. It, well, I was going to ask it, you that next. It, it, How it, can we do that? How can we, starting from here, moving forward, because eventually this is all going to die down. The sure. friends is going to die sure. down, there will and be then we go back else. to normal. There will be something yeah. else. But we got jobs, yes. people going back to jobs, yeah. people going back to school, and so there'll be... It'll die down at yes. some point. But how can we keep it going so that change is affected long term and not just in the frenzy now? What well, can we do? My prayer is basically that people won't forget that this is a time of division, which is also a time of opportunity. It's just like when the stock market crashes and people get in when it's low. Mm-hmm. You know, the pros always know that. They, they don't ever see it as a stock market crash. They just go buying time. Right. Okay. And when it gets high, they just go selling time. So it all depends on how you look at it. I think we should look at it as Americans. We should look at this time and go, all right, there's an awful lot of Americans that are angry. Not the ones that will not ever be convinced. But you go after the ones and we say, I want to talk to you. I hear that you've been taught that myself and everybody that looks like me is this. And I'm here to tell you, not only are we not this, we were never this. And I have also heard some of my friends mistakenly label you as this. And I'm here to tell you, I don't believe a word of it. I think you're probably somebody that I'd like to get to know on your own terms. See, when you put the humanity back with our individual humans, son, amazing things happen. You know, to do this in a, in a, in a religious spirit, uh, experience thing, Jesus looked at us as, 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 as individual people, took us as individual people, individual sinners, but individual people. And that's what we need to do, too. We need to show love and acceptance and all those things towards individual people. And I hope the main thing that we do is that we challenge ourselves to move out of our carefully constructed social circles. If you were to ask me what's the best way to do it is after this, I hope we get out of those social circles so that they can, they can see and we can see and we can embrace our common humanity day by day. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Get out of it. Because the other thing, too, when you're in your own social circles, all you start to do is feed off of each other's sure. own perspectives and views. And if one person, okay, let's take a relationship, okay? Let's just take, I don't know, you're, you're, you're back in college and, you get, and everybody's dating everybody and everybody's going really good. And then all of a sudden one couple splits. Mm-hmm. Now you have to pick a side. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you take that same thing. You're all in your social circles. Something happens to one person. So they start, you know, whether it's bitter or whatever, they start talking. So now everybody has to pick a side and everybody wants to conform to what their friend believes. So they want to now adapt to that belief or whatever it is. So if we get out of our social circles from a standpoint of looking at other people, other things and being exposed, because that was one thing that I think it was uh, maybe both Daniel and Brandon, a couple guys I talked to, but Daniel more specifically, he said growing up, he was exposed to a lot of different people, Mm -hmm. a lot of different races, a lot of different cultures. And so for him, when he looks at people, again, it goes back to he looks at people. He doesn't look at black people, Asian people, white people. He looks at people because he was exposed to all them. Absolutely. So getting out of that, I guess, is, you know, kind of becoming a common theme here. One of the biggest things, I don't know if you know this about uh, where I'm from, from Sioux Falls, but you know it's one of the bigger things that's been like gotten to be a big thing each and every year and it's going to continue to be? My credit card debt? Uh, no, I, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> every, every single credit card company has Sioux Falls, South Dakota as an address. There are. It, well, so. there, we do have some credit anyway. card 
nice people there. Yeah. That's true. That's true. No, uh, you may not know this song, but well, there's a big community that's been growing within Sioux Falls. It's the uh, Vietnamese community. Oh, wow. So they have the Vietnamese Lunar New Year and some other events. But just amazing people. Mm. Okay, it's not on the radar right now, but it's one of those things where it really ought to be. Mm. And our current mayor, one of the things he did was, while he was campaigning a couple of years ago, is he went to it. Because oh, I wow. saw him there. Because he knew. He's like, wow, these are amazing people. Okay, right in the middle of the heartland, like you said. Right, yeah. Now, do we have very many? No, but growing. Yeah. But amazingly versatile and, and amazingly uh, just, just neat people. They're just the neatest people. So, like I said, though, what did I do? I said, hey, I want to go to their Lunar New Year Festival a couple years back. Took my uh, second son with me. We ate well. Loved it. Yeah. And, and as you embrace them, for example, then word will get out. This yes. is the place to come. And then now you're growing community. You're growing like an actual community rather than this virtual thing that a lot of a lot of people say that we have this virtual community, which may or may not be true in some in some cases, but in most cases it probably isn't. Right. Because at the end, community can only be done face to face, like what we're doing. That's true. Technology can help. Technology can help. Don't get me wrong, but you still have to do it face to face. We're sitting here at Arnold's Park. It's an amusement park in uh, Northwest Iowa on the shores of Lake Okaboji. Okaboji, Iowa, and we're having a conversation. Uh, the podcast is racism. Let's talk about it. I'm calling it the uh, Hysteria Podcast Tour Summer 2020 as we get out and talk to different people because as we talk to people, we need to include everybody in the conversation because right. different perspectives. And like you said, one of the things that I liked about the conversation today, for example, is the museum idea where you could put statues and things like that mm-hmm. in the museum instead of just destroying mm-hmm. them. Uh, one of the common themes that I'm hearing is uh, community valuing people and treating people as a human as yes. opposed to a race or as opposed to a stigma group or whatever it is. Especially, like you said, when you can't control that. You know, when you're born that way, you, you can can't never control treat that. people out of something that they cannot control. And so when you look at Sioux Falls and you look at uh, Middle America and the way it is, is there, just real quick, a perception on how the coast, so to speak, New York, L.A., look at – I mean, because they got to be watching the news and being, okay, there's all this stuff, even Atlanta recently, but you know, New York and well, L.A. I mean, how's the perception? The perception is, is that you can absolutely – well, like what, what happened in Sioux Falls and, and other places, not Minneapolis, obviously, which was ground zero. Right. You can absolutely peacefully protest. You absolutely may not ever riot and loot. That's sort of like the bottom line. And the other thing is there's been lots of interesting talk about, you know, what does, what does justice mean for all Americans so that they can, they can actually feel it? I don't necessarily mean defund the police. I mean, what is it that we do again as people, mm-hmm. right, as a community, to make sure every American feels like an absolutely valued American? Okay. And one where the Americans get to decide amongst themselves that they can be valued. Not just somebody else telling them, you will value this person in the way that we tell you. It also has to be part of a, we're going to value you, um, and we're going to value you because we want to, and in the manner and fashion that, that, that people do, depending upon different you know comfort levels, et cetera. People are different. I mean, there's going to be some people that are just different. But generally, in the Midwest, if you had to break it down, I think most people would say, you absolutely have a right to protest, absolutely. Um, peaceful protest um, doesn't matter what it's for no one absolutely anywhere has ever 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 a right to loot and pillage and hurt other people i don't care what it's for that no no one never and that's not just me that's anybody i talk to I think one of the things that I like as we wrap it up here is um, one of my favorite artists, Steve Taylor, had a song, We Don't Need No Color Code. 
talks about mm. you know the racism you know it's racism and and that more specifically with him was racism in the church but racism mm. period where racism shouldn't be tolerated and yes. you know it was like you know we don't need no color code take your rules and hit the road and it's like that's pretty much what it is you right. know we don't need a color code we don't need to judge people based on the color of their skin no we need to judge people based on like you said their character and how they are because if they are bad guys then they're bad guys and need to be judged accordingly right. if they're good guys then they could be judged accordingly right. and your actions are going to really dictate what right. type of person you are, and if we're treating and valuing each other right. with like we value ourselves, then I think society is going to be a whole lot better. We should value other people the way that we value our families. Yeah, yeah really that's true. When it comes down to it, yeah. that's how I see it. Aaron, thanks so much. Appreciate it. My it's man, good having you. Good to see you. Glad to be able to get you on. And again, we're uh, broadcasting here from uh, Arnold's Park in Okaboji, Iowa, on the banks. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna actually. Uh, my my Instagram page is uh, at Edem Rocks. E I D E M R O C K S. I'm gonna actually take some pictures and uh, post them on my Instagram. So if you want to see what Okaboji, Iowa, is all about, in Arnold's Park, you can check out my Instagram page at Edem Rocks. E I D E M R O C K S. It's the Hysteria Podcast Tour Summer 2020, taking it on the road. Hopefully, getting out and getting the, amongst the people and hearing what. Everybody has to say, hopefully, you know, uh, as far as the racism goes, because, again, it shouldn't be tolerated, but we need to talk about it, and we need to be able to do it in a fashion that we listen, as well as share our ideas in an environment that is going to affect change, and it's not going to happen, I don't think, in the current climate of the crazy frenziness, but we need to sit down and legitimately listen and talk and have a conversation and do it from the grassroots level, so I think that's where change is going to happen. Amen. Uh, uh, Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Uh, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S on Instagram is the place to find me. And until next time, from Arnold's Park in Okaboji, Iowa, on the banks of Lake Okaboji, God bless.